And Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter 6 first. You can get that one first. And then 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Good to have Andrew with us this morning. I'm always glad when he can be in our service. And um, he always, every time we sing somewhere in a different church, he tries to outdress me. So I try to embarrass him every time, somewhere along the line, and I'll tell you one on him. When he started to mature as a young man, he got one chest hair. One. He was so proud of it that he named it Bob. So I decided one day that I would get him down and I would just pull Bob right out of his chest. He fought me tooth and nail. I, don't, I couldn't get it out. He was, he was determined I wasn't going to get rid of Bob. But anyway, that, I let, that'll lead into my message today. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. We are in a battle today. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Many people deny the spirit world. But you are a spiritual being. There is a spiritual dimension. And you and I operate most of the time in a physical dimension. We want to physically prepare our bodies. We want to physically prepare our children. We want to physically prepare for food and insurance. And we make all these physical preparations and we deny that there is a spiritual world. Science tells us that there could be as many as ten dimensions. Let me tell you something. If there is, one of those dimensions is a spiritual dimension where God lives. And we're, we're battling in that dimension. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're grateful for the day. I pray you take these truths from the Word of God and seal them to our hearts. Oh, how important this message is that we get the truth of the doctrine of the Word of God this morning. I pray you'd put it in our hearts. And Lord, I pray you'd save that one that doesn't know Christ this morning. I pray you'd help, help that one to rededicate their life that has grown cold on you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for this season. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. And now, Lord, fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We are this morning in an invisible war. It is a war that is more deadly than World War I. It is a war that is more sinister than the Middle East wars going on right now. It is a war that, has, that will take more lives and damn more souls than World War II. This war is being fought on American soil right now. It is a spiritual battle. And we pride ourselves as, American, as Americans that war has never come to our homeland. Thank God it hasn't. Thank God for a strong military and people who are willing to volunteer to keep the forces of evil at bay. But listen to me, there is a spiritual warfare that has come to the shores of America and we are being overrun with evil. Amen. One of the reasons we're being overrun with evil is that we do not recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. Paul said of the devil, he said this, we are not to be ignorant of the devices of the devil. Amen. Now let's begin reading here in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 11. Let's go back to 10 just so we get it. Ephesians 6 Verse number 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. Watch verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the cunning arts of the devil. That word wiles is the Greek word methodia. It is where we get our English word method. And the Bible is thundering from the pages of Ephesians chapter 6 that we are not to be ignorant to, to, to take a warfare and to stand against the Bible says the methodia or the scheming methods, the craftiness, the deceit, the cunning arts of the devil. Let me just remind us this morning, if you don't know your enemy, you will lose the war. I'm going to use this message to expose the devil, what the scripture teaches about the devil. I mean, I've compiled it in an in exact order so we can understand the spiritual forces that we are dealing with. The only way to expose the devil is to use the word of God. This book illuminates him. It illuminates the warfare if that, that we are in. Let me say this again. If you don't know your enemy, you will lose the war. We're in the middle of deer season. And for years, I hunted uh, deer. And, and obviously, you hunt for the big racked buck. And for years, I never killed one. I, I killed does and, and, and little deer. And I never could kill a big one. You know why? I didn't understand how they operated. I didn't understand how smart... They were. I didn't understand uh, their abilities, their ability to detect, to detect my odor at a half a mile away, their ability to hear with intensity. I underestimated the intelligence of a big buck. And when I finally understood my query, my prey, and I began to understand, I, I began to learn how to harvest deer. The same is true with the devil. If we underestimate, listen, there are homes falling apart in this very community because mom and dad have underestimated the power, the scheming ability, and the intelligence of Satan. They deny we're in a spiritual battle. That means he camouflaged himself very well. They deny the spirit world. That means he has hidden himself and become invisible to, listen, he's hiding everywhere, amen. He's hiding in Hollywood. And most Christians absorb more of Hollywood than they do the word of God. That's why the devil's been loosed on our country. The devil's in our schools, the devil's in Washington. I think I know that D.C. stands for the devil's crowd. Amen, preacher. The devil is everywhere. We are in a spiritual warfare in the middle of America and we are losing the battle because we have underestimated Satan. The same as I underestimated the abilities of the big buck, so Satan has been underestimated. We're not just in a battle for the souls of men, we're in a battle for our nation. We're in a battle for our children. 
The LGBT crowd has come out and boldly said, we're after the youth in America. While the church sits on its haunches, amen, and lets our youth just run wild, they're looking for them. Amen, preacher. Brian fussed at us this morning for not standing on the promises, and the problem is most of us are just sitting on the premises. <laughs> hey, we ought to be standing. What did the Word of God say? That we might be able to stand, stand, stand against the wiles, the methods, the scheming craftiness of the devil. Amen. Look at verse number 12, Ephesians chapter 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, watch this, I'm going to explain these, principalities one, powers two, rulers of the darkness of this world three, and four, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We wrestle against principalities. That's the cornerstones of evil. Let me tell you something. Satan has got a foundation that he is building on in this country. And the Bible says we wrestle against that cornerstone. Powers. You know what powers means here? It means immoral authority. And the more I live and the longer I live, the longer I see that the authority in our nation, including from the police all the way to the Senate, has become infiltrated with immorality. Absolutely. So we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the third phrase is the darkness of this world, that is the ungodliness of this cosmos. And finally, watch this. I misunderstood this for years. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. I always took that to be that we wrestled against spiritual wickedness in the Congress and in the Senate and in the White House and in the Governor's Palace. That is not what this means. When you and I wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places, it goes higher than the White House. Amen. When you and I wrestle against spiritual wickedness, we are wrestling in the heavenly, spiritual, celestial sphere of spiritual activities. Let me tell you something. When you pray, you are doing battle that goes higher than a nuclear arsenal. Amen. When you pray, you are doing battle that is higher than the authority of the White House. When you pray, you are doing more spiritual warfare than those aircraft carriers are in the Middle East right now. And listen, not only do we underestimate the devil, we underestimate the power of prayer. Boy, I'd like to preach right there, but i got to move on. Don't ever, Christian, do not ever underestimate the power of prayer. If it seems God doesn't hear, keep praying. If it seems he's not answering, you keep praying. Don't you ever underestimate the power when you get on your knees and empty your heart to out to God, ask him to forgive you and cleanse you and make you a clean vessel and bring your cares and your problems and your issues to him, don't you ever underestimate the power of prayer. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen.
So let's go on. We not only wrestle against the wiles or the subtlety of the devil because he is a master of deception. Let me tell you something about the devil. The Bible says he is as a roaring lion. He is a spiritual predator. Now, if we had a predator... Let me tell you something. If I thought there was some kind of a, of a child predator in this church, mister, I'd be in their face. If you thought there was a child predator at school, you'd be, you'd be going to the authorities and exposing them. Amen. But yet we have an enemy named Satan who is a spiritual predator, and we just got, we're just so nonchalant about it. Amen, preacher. Boy, we didn't get too many amens there, did we? Hey, we're overlooking that we face a spiritual predator. Hey, Satan is called the God of this world. He's called the God of this age. He's called the prince of the power of the air. That is, the, can I just say it like this? It's the prince of the power of the airwaves. He's infiltrated the media. He's infiltrated the TV. He's infiltrated the airwaves. He is the prince of the power of the airwaves. You cannot believe what you hear on the news. Let's look at seven things. Let me give you seven things quickly. I want you to write these down. You can write down the verses of Scripture. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. You were already there. should have your thumb there. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. I'm going to give you so much Scripture this morning that you're not going to be able to walk out of this place without knowing about our enemy, Satan has false apostles. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 13. For such are false apostles. So number one, Satan has false apostles. Those who claim to have authority in the spirit realm. Such are false apostles, false preachers, as opposed to true preachers. Watch the second thing that Satan has in that verse. Deceitful workers. Let me just break in on you right here. Satan's got workers in the church. Not only does he have false preachers, he has false workers laboring in the church. Watch this. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They are not called of God. The devil has, listen to me carefully, the devil has churches loaded with workers. That infiltration should not surprise us. Let's keep reading. He has deceiving angels. Verse 14. And no marvel. Don't be surprised at this. Don't be. Sh oh, look at that. Stop reading right there. So many people get so shocked when something goes on in a church. Let me tell you something. The devil's got people infiltrated the church. And the Bible says here, marvel not. Don't you be surprised. Don't let it take you aback. Don't let, you, don't let it be surprised. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now let me say this. Satan doesn't always approach you as some hideous dragon or some forked tail horned red creature trying to get you to sin. Satan will approach you as an angel of light. 
He didn't come to Adam and Eve in the garden and say, if you do this, you're going to be hideous. You're going to be naked. You're going to be ashamed. Guilt is going to come in. Sin is going to come in. Disobedience is going to come in. He didn't say that. He didn't say you're going to be made a hideous, sinful creature. He said, you'll be as God. Satan is transformed into an angel of light. The irony in our day, listen to me carefully, especially you young people, the devil's out in the open as the devil. And our young people are embracing him. He's no longer has to hide himself anymore as an angel of light. Why, he comes out in black clothing with big muscles and chains and, and people are worshiping him openly. I mean, he doesn't come out as some, some gothic person with a hood. He didn't used to. He used to be transformed as an angel of light. But now he, he just comes out as a gothic person dressed in black with a hood, sinister. And people just embrace him. I don't get it. I, I, I mentioned the gothic. When, when I worked at the power plant, we had to keep arsenic in stock to kill the algae. We pumped water out of the river and we had to kill the algae in that water so it wouldn't stop up our boilers and stuff. And uh, we kept arsenic. And, and if y'all don't know what arsenic is, it is a deadly poison. And then it became that we had to absolutely keep it under lock and key. And I'm like, you know, who's stupid enough to take arsenic? And then I asked, so I asked the manager, I said, you know, what's going on? And he said, well, you wouldn't believe it. But, you know, people are, are having this gothic look, the gothic look with a pale face and purple lips and dark under their eyes, and they, they do their makeup to look gothic. And the plant manager said, you're not, you're not going to believe it, but young people have found out that if they take arsenic in small doses, they get that look without actually dying, but it kills them in the long term. I'm like, how stupid, how much, I mean, we want to be so much like the devil that we'll kill ourselves to look gothic? Did I miss something? <laughs> or is that the deceitful devices of the devil? Somebody say amen. That's who we're dealing with. Millions embrace his dark, sinister appearance, accepting his corrupt ways. Look, let's go on, verse 15. Satan has ministers. 2 Corinthians eleven fifteen. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. He not only has ministers, but we find from 1 Timothy 4 that he has doctrine. Listen to 1 Timothy 4. The Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the last days that some shall depart from the faith, giving, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Not only does Satan, number one, have false apostles. Number two, he has false church workers. Number three, he has deceiving angels. Number four, he has ministers. Number five, he has a doctrine. Let me tell you something. Here's why I preach doctrine. Behind the true doctrine of the word of God is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you something. When I preach in this church, the Holy Spirit is all over it if I'm in this book. But the doctrine behind the doctrine of devils is the spirit of the devil. 
And here is what happens. If you expose yourself or allow yourself to be deceived by those doctrines, there is a spiritual force behind the doctrine. That's why I preach good doctrine. Satan not only has bad doctrine, he has a church. It's called the synagogue of Satan. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 9. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 9. It is called the synagogue of Satan. Satan, number 7, has an unholy trinity. Revelation 16, 13 says this. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them together to the battle of the great day of God Almighty." Satan has seven things from false preachers to false teachers to false workers to false doctrine to false churches. Amen. Let me tell you something, friend. It matters where you go to church. It matters what you believe. It matters what is preached from this pulpit. Absolutely. It's critical what you accept as doctrine. It is essential as to your faith. Now, I gave you seven things that, that the devil has. Let me give you six things that God has. We're back to Ephesians. We have to put on, the Bible says, we're not going to read it because I don't have time. I'm running out of time. How do I do avoid the deceit of the devil and know the truth of God? I have to put on the whole armor of God. And I memorized this back, backwards from the way Paul gives it. I start at the head. It's called the helmet of salvation. It's called the breastplate of righteousness. It's called loins girt about with truth. It's called feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. It's called the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let me tell you something. Without the helmet of salvation, the devil will get in your mind. Without the breastplate of righteousness, the devil will get in your heart. Now, let me say something, and I don't want to get it backwards, so I'm going to think about it just a minute. The devil doesn't want to get in your heart so you'll sin. He wants you to sin so he can get in your heart. Somebody needs to write that down. He doesn't want to get in your heart so you'll sin. He wants you to sin so he can get in your heart. So... His devices are to lure us, attract us into sin, and when he's got us, he gets in. He gets a foothold. Amen. The helmet of salvation. Without the breastplate of righteousness, Satan will get in your heart. Without our loins girded about with truth, demons will get in your pants. Boy, it's quiet. Let me say that again. Without your loins girt about with truth, demons will get in your pants. Without the gospel of peace, your feet will run to mischief. Without the shield of faith, you can catch a lot of flaming arrows. Without the sword of the word of God, you are completely disarmed. In our modern, sophisticated age, we have denied the existence of the spirit world. We have denied the existence of the devil, all the while embracing dark magic, all the while embracing occultism, 
All the while embracing the Hollywood movies about the exorcist. And me and Lisa watched a movie the other day called The Pope's Exorcist. We will embrace all. They deny it, but yet they put it out there. And fortune telling, Ouija boards, amen. We're denying his existence and embracing Harry Potter. I'm going to tell you something, parents. Harry Potter is an entrance into the occult for your children. Somebody say amen. amen. Yes, sir. You say, preacher, I don't believe it. Then you're not believing the word of God. I'm exposing him this morning. I'm going to tell you something about Disney. Disney is indoctrinating your children into the ways of the devil. You better be very careful. It's no longer the wonderful world of color on Sunday evenings. It's demon, demonic. Amen. Yes, sir. It used to come on on Sunday nights. Wonderful world of color. And that was the good part about being sick on Sunday. I got to lay out a church to watch Walt Disney on Sunday night. Hey, it's no longer that little, it's no longer Mickey Mouse, folks. It's no longer goofy and many. It's satanic. Amen, preacher. Satan is unseen entities. We know from Ezekiel 14 and Isaiah 28 that Satan held a rebellion in heaven. We know from Revelation chapter 12 that when Satan rebelled in heaven, he drew the third part of the stars or one-third of the angels of heaven rebelled against God. And the Bible says there were an innumerable company of angels. That means that there's a lot of demons. I said it, I'm going to say it again. That means that in this world, there are a lot of demons. If you'll remember the story when the demons possessed legion and Jesus cast them out, demons are disembodied spirits and they desire a body to vex and a mind to, to torture. Amen. And when Jesus cast those demons out, I'm in the word of God. I believe Jesus. I believe the spirit world. And I believe that when he cast those demons out, they said, oh my goodness, let us just go into that, that bunch of hogs over there. They wanted a body so bad that they would have went into, and they did. And the Bible says that they ran down, those hogs ran down a steep place and drowned themselves, 2,000 of them. How many demons were in that man? Hey, I'm talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about things I believe because this book says it. Amen. Yes, sir. Jesus cast out demons in Mark chapter number five. We saw in the account of the gospels that Jesus gave his apostles power over demons. I said they vexed people's body. They did. We saw one young man who would cast himself into the fire because he had demons. They tortured people's minds. I'm going to give you some information from a book I read for a college course many, many years ago. I think I've mentioned it on Wednesday night. But there are lots of things I mention on Wednesday night that I don't deal with on Sunday morning. But here's what I'm going to say. I have a book by Kurt E. Koch, K-O-C-H, in my library that I studied. He, he was a, he was a uh, professor of, of, of mental disorders, and he studied mental disordered, disorders in 40 countries for 40 years. He was also a, a, a believer. 
He believed in spirits. He, he believed in the demon world. He believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said in his work and in his journeys in 40 countries for 40 years that 60% of the people in the mental asylums are there for spiritual reasons. Let that sink in. The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We saw here where in the scriptures where an unclean spirit was gone out of a man because he self-reformed. But when he decided to go back after his self-reformation and he decided to go back to his old lifestyle, the Bible says he took seven more demons, more wicked. At the end, he was worse than he was at the first. Oh, listen, we don't need reformation. We need regeneration. We don't need to be reformed. We need to be reborn. Yes, sir. Amen. We don't need to turn over a new leaf. We need a new life. We need to be a new creature. There are so many people today who say, well, I need to clean up my act. I need to go to church. Oh, I'll dress up. I'll buy me a collared shirt, and I'll go to church for a little while, and I'll be a good little boy, and I'll be obedient. Let me tell you something. You can quit drinking and go to hell sober without Jesus. You can quit gambling and save your money and go to hell rich like the rich man in Luke 16 who lifted up his eyes in hell. Self-reformation will take you to hell. It takes regeneration from the cross of Calvary. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin, praise God. It can birth you into the family of God, make you a new creature. It can take the taste of whiskey out of your mouth. It can take the taste of gambling out of your belly, amen. It can take adultery away from your heart. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin, praise God. By the way, it's more powerful than anything the devil's got, praise God. Demons are fallen angels. What's the point here? Satan is real. Demons are real. The spirit world is real. But here's where I want to end. Christ is real. Praise God. We have a power. We have an authority. We have one in heaven who is greater. Listen, the devil may be the, the prince of the power of the air. He may be the God of this world, but I know the God of heaven. Praise God. And the God of heaven one day is going to take the prince of the power out of the picture and all they who have been deceived by him. The Bible says about Christ's authority in Luke chapter number four. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves saying, what a word is this that with authority and power, he, that is Jesus, commandeth the unclean spirits and they, they come out. Let me tell you what he said. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And he said, I give you that power. Child of God, greater is he that's in you and he that's in the world. Amen. That we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I do not have to be deceived by the devil. I do not have to follow his cunning devices. I can be wise unto his cunning art. Somebody say amen. For every attack, God has a piece of armor. The devil will attack your mind. You better have on the helmet of salvation. Now, I always thought, I always thought salvation should have been the breastplate, but it wasn't. I'm not going to change the word of God. He says the helmet's of salvation. Tell you something, a helmet is a wonderful thing when you need it. 
I was playing football against Honeaker. Never will forget. I was in the 10th grade or 11th grade or something, and they had a running back. And he, his muscles started about his ears and run all the way down his shoulders. And he got, he broke loose. I was playing, I was playing a safety. And he broke loose with the ball, and he was headed for the end zone. And I had an angle on him. Boy, I may tell you he was headed for the end zone this way, and I had an angle on him, and I meant to lower my head and cut him down. I thought, boy, I'm going to look like the star if I can take old Darrell out. And about the time I got to him, instead of angling toward the end zone, he angled toward me. And the next thing I know, I woke up, my eyes were blinking, and I looked right, and Darrell was in the end zone with the football raised. Now he, let me tell you something, he knew how to use his helmet. And I'm awful glad I had one on. Amen. Hey, the helmet of salvation. Then the Bible says the breastplate of righteousness. Satan doesn't want to get in your heart so you'll sin. He wants to get, he wants to sin to get in your heart. The Bible says neither give place to the devil. Listen, as quick as you let down your guard, Satan will find a weak spot in your armor. I told you I, I took up pickleball. I'm too old to play football. But I took pickleball as tennis for old people. Amen. Lisa can, Lisa started that. I'm going to tell you something. The way to win pickleball when you're facing two opponents is figure out which one of them's weaker and hit the ball to them. You figure out which one's weaker and you hit the ball to the weakest opponent, you're going to win the game. Let me tell you something about Satan. He'll find a weak spot in your armor and that's where he'll aim the ball. Where is the weak spot in your armor? You have to answer that. We've all got one. You better be girded. You better be building that thing up. So, neither give place to the devil. The Bible says we're to be girt about with truth. So we've got to have on a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, our loins girt about with truth, feet shod for the preparation of the gospel. Now, let me say this about the feet. I've got to hurry. But... Defeat shod with the preparation of the gospel, Satan will hit you with discouragement. Remember I said we're in a spiritual warfare? You know what discouragement is? Discouragement is a spiritual shot. And if you get discouraged, listen, he wants, oh, Satan wants to discourage you from being in the house of God. Because you know what just happened this morning in the last 30 minutes? You've gotten built up in the faith. You understand something about your adversary. You met with somebody who believed the same thing you did. Amen. I mean, it built you up. It helped you. And he wants to discourage you from being here. And the best way he can discourage you from being here is get in your buddy that's sitting right beside of you or get in your wife that's sitting beside of you, get in your husband, get in your children, and you say, ah, what's the use? I ain't going to go. Well, he just discouraged you from keeping your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. When your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your feet will carry you to the house of God. Your feet will carry you to be a good witness in the community. Amen. Yes, sir. And listen, you don't have to beat people over the head with the Bible. What are you saying, preacher? Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You don't have to beat people over the head with the baseball bat. Just live right. Amen. 
just take a stand. Amen. Then when he attacks us, that's why we're to have a, a shield of faith. The Bible says that shield of faith will quench every fiery dart of the wicked. You know what a fiery, a fiery arrow you know what a fiery arrow will do? It doesn't have to hit the bullseye. It just has to hit close to burn the whole thing down. I mean, if you shot a fiery arrow into this church, you don't have to hit a specific one-inch bullseye. You could hit the church anywhere and it'd burn it down. And the Bible says that we're to have a shield of faith. A shield of faith. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the message that's been preached this Listen, every word I've said this morning has been carefully studied, carefully researched, carefully thought out, carefully brought to you. Let me tell you something. There's no error in anything I've said this morning. Amen. And some of you are still going to watch Harry Potter. <laughs> Amen, preacher. It's in my family. I see it at times. Yes, sir. Finally, there's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Satan don't want you with a sharp two-edged sword. He'd much rather face you if you've got a butter knife. That's why I still believe the King James Bible is the sharpest sword I can carry. I'm going to carry something sharp, amen. And the Bible says about him, listen this carefully, I'm closing. The Bible says he knows his time is short. Do you realize when you know your time is short, you get a little bit more intense in your fighting? You ever tree, you ever, you ever corner a bear, tree a bear? You ever corner a cat? I mean, when you corner something and they think their time is short, they're going to fight you like Andrew fought me when I tried to pull out his chest hair. <laughs> Amen. Satan is fighting today, folks. The problem with the church today is we're unarmed. Let me say it again. The problem with the church today is we're unarmed. Most of the churches in this nation are not preaching what I just preached. And our churches are falling prey to the devil because of it. We've become weak. We've watered down the Word of God. It's more like a butter knife. And we want buttery messages. Hey, I like buttery messages too. But that can't, can't all be buttery messages, amen. We've sugar-coated the gospel when it should be the gospel, when we should be the salt of the earth. Bible didn't say we're the sugar of the earth. It says we're the salt of the earth. Amen. He's fighting. Don't let your family become prey to the devices and the craftiness of the devil. Men, it's your job first to stand on the word of God. Men, it's your job to be the spiritual leader of your home. I just checked... Our Facebook. You know, I preached a couple, three weeks ago about rejection and, 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 and having an acceptance addiction. I think I'm partially guilty of having that acceptance addiction because I check Facebook all the time to see how many likes I got. I'm just, pre I'm just telling you the truth. So I checked Facebook. And we've got 2,500 or so followers. I say, praise God. We've got 19 new followers in the last two weeks. 
That makes me feel good. That, that butters up my appraisal addiction, acceptance addiction. But seven, about 76% of those are women. Only 20-some percent are men. What's wrong? What's wrong in our nation when we're missing men to stand against the wiles of the devil? What's wrong in our nation when men won't dress up with the full armor of God and say, hey, we're going to serve God. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to have family devotions. We're going to go to church. We're going to do what's right. God... Oh, God raise us up some godly men who will take a stand on the word of God. Oh, we need that so bad. We need to dress up. We need to get up, dress up, stand up, and move up. Amen. And when we dress up, we ought to be dressed in the armor of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder, dear friend, in this auditorium, if there be one here, you don't know Christ. Here's how I'm going to address you. You know in your heart of hearts that you've never really surrendered to Jesus Christ. You've never really truly repented. You've never really done business with God. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to come to Christ. Man, His Spirit, His Spirit is up and down these aisles. It's in this church. All you have to do is reach out, accept Him, embrace Him, repent of your sins, trust Him, He'll move right in. And here's where you are maybe. You've tried self-reformation and it didn't work. You've tried to turn over a new leaf, it didn't work. You've tried to clean up your act and it didn't work. Well, let me tell you something. I'll invite you to Jesus who will clean you up, praise God. Give you a new heart, new life. Amen. Set your feet on a solid rock. Establish your goings. Put a new song in your mouth. Even praise unto our God. I want you to move right now. If you're lost and you know I've spoken to you and the Holy Spirit's spoken to you, would you move right now? Right now. Because I'm going to change the invitation. If you need to be saved, would you come right now? Brian's waiting. He'll take a Bible, show you how to be saved. One of the, one of the best soul winners in this church is Brian. Come on right now. We wait for just a moment. Then Christian, what about you? I'm going to address you for one, one minute or two. Where do you stand in the armor of God? Is your helmet protecting you from those thoughts you're having? Is your breastplate protecting you from the sin that could get in your heart? Is your loins protecting you from the devil putting error, stealing your truth? Is your feet shot or are you discouraged? Is your shield of faith up? Or, or do you have heartburn from the flaming arrows of Satan? Do you have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Does it matter to you? Gentlemen, are you leading your home? Ladies, if your husband won't lead you home, you lead it. Amen. Where do you stand with that armor? And as we leave this place right now, Brother Kennard Blevins, would you make your way this way, please? 
if you can, I appreciate you. He's going to dismiss us in prayer. As you leave this place, Christian, make up your mind to put on the whole armor of God.